0: Welcome to the Wise Crone Cottage Podcast with storyteller Kathy Shempock. Here we'll meet the crone and uncover her wisdom as found in fairy tales, folk tales, and myths. For it is true that stories, as it is with many people, become better as they grow older. Know that no matter how difficult your journey has been through the magical forest, the wise crone always opens her door to you.
1: In earlier podcasts, we have explored the crone as the helper and as the judge. Now it's time to address her shadow side, the unpredictable and dangerous witch. Of all the crones found within folktales, perhaps Baba Yaga is the most frightening of all. This is not a grandmother motif who will box your ears as a punishment, but a powerful, crafty woman who wishes to eat you bones and all. While many older women feel invisible... Baba Yaga laughs in the face of those who believe her powerless. Aligning with this archetype makes any woman a force to be reckoned with. In this episode, we'll explore the character of Baba Yaga as she confronts Vasilisa the Beautiful. We'll also discuss the way folk tales and its characters can impact our lives today. These stories can serve the same function as Vasilisa's Tiny Wooden Doll, providing needed guidance and insights for us all.
0: A great while ago, when the world was full of wonders.
1: My current fascination with the character Baba Yaga came during a kitchen cleanup. Hanging in the corner was my kitchen witch, a stuffed doll I had made many, many years before. I knew she needed dusting, but something about her seemed off. This benign figure flying on a wooden spoon no longer seemed capable of providing any protection or blessing to my kitchen at all. This was no Chinese kitchen god. The world today, struggling with so much sickness, carelessness, and cruelty, could not be protected by a mere kitchen witch. I needed something more, and she needed to be something more. That's when I remembered Baba Yaga, the larger-than-life witch found in the Russian fairy tale. Her name, Baba Yaga, is loosely translated as Wicked Old Woman or Wicked Grandmother. If I needed a talisman, Baba Yaga fit the tenor of the times. It was then that I decided to transform my kitchen witch into Baba Yaga. In the process, I discovered more about the story of Vasilisa the Beautiful and the two wisecrone characters within it than I could ever have imagined. While there are hundreds, perhaps thousands, of Baba Yaga tales in Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus, Baba Yaga plays a secondary, although essential, role in all these stories. Scholar Jack Zipes writes that she serves an ambivalent function, since she can be both the opponent and the helper to the hero of the tale. It's important to note that she never searches for unwitting victims. It is only when the protagonist comes to her door that she meets out their fate. In many of these stories, she asks a common question. "Camest thou hither from thine own wish, or because thou wast compelled? Or, as we might say today, why are you here? Did you come of your own accord, or were you forced here? We'll come back to that question because it is the answer that determines her response. Reflecting on Baba Yaga can perhaps help us determine our own response to what's happening in the world today. That is my hope.
0: But now, a story. Not in my time, not in your time, but in the wise crone's time. This is a long story.
1: So be sure to get a cup of tea, or perhaps some cocoa, before we begin. Once upon a time, there lived a merchant in a faraway kingdom. Although he had been married 12 years, he had only one child, and she was called Vasilisa the Fair. When Vasilisa was 8 years old, her mother fell ill. She called her daughter to her side, took a doll out from under her coverlet, and gave it to the girl, saying, Listen, Vasily Shuka, pay attention to my last words, and remember what I am saying. I'm dying, and all I can leave you is my maternal blessing with this doll. Keep the doll with you, wherever you go. But don't show her to anyone. If you get into trouble, just give her some food and ask her advice. After she's eaten, she will tell you what to do. The mother kissed her daughter farewell and died. Following his wife's death, the merchant mourned her in proper fashion and then began to think about remarrying. He was a handsome man and had no difficulty finding a bride, but he liked a certain widow best. This widow had two daughters of her own who were almost the same age as Vasilisa and the merchant thought she would make a good housekeeper and mother. And so he married her, but he was wrong, for she did not turn out to be a good mother for his Vasilisa. Vasilisa was the fairest girl in the entire village, and her stepmother and stepsisters were jealous of her beauty. They tormented her by giving her all kinds of work to do. Hoping she would grow bony from toil and weather beaten from exposure to the wind and to the sun. And indeed, her life was miserable. But she bore it all without complaint and became lovelier with every passing day. While the stepmother and her daughters, who sat around all day doing nothing, grew thin and ugly as a result of spitefulness. How did all this come about? Things would have been different without the doll. Without her aid, the girl could never have managed all the work. Some days, Vasilisa did not eat anything at all. She would wait until everyone was in bed in the evening and then lock herself in the room where she slept. Giving her doll a tasty morsel, she would say, Eat this little doll and listen to my troubles. I live in my father's house, but I'm deprived of joy. That stepmother of mine is going to be the death of me. Tell me how I should live and what I should do. First the doll would eat, and then she gave Vasilisa advice and comforted her in her woe. And in the morning, she would take care of all the chores while Vasilisa rested in the shade and picked flowers. The doll weeded the flower bed, watered the cabbages, went to the well, and fired the stove. The doll even showed Vasilisa an herb that would protect her against sunburn. Thanks to the doll, Vasilisa's life was easy. The years passed, and Vasilisa grew up, reaching the age of marriage. All the young men in the village wanted to marry her, and they never so much as cast a glance at the stepmother's daughters. The stepmother grew to hate Vasilisa more than ever. To all the suitors, she declared, I will never give my youngest in marriage before the elder ones. Then she vented her anger on Vasilisa with cruel blows. One day, Vasilisa's father had to go on a long journey in order to trade in distant lands. The stepmother moved to another house near the edge of a deep forest. In the glade of the forest was a hut, and in the hut lived Baba Yaga. She never allowed anyone to come near her and ate human beings just as if they were chickens. The merchant's wife hated Vasilisa so much that at the new home she would send her stepdaughter into the woods for one thing or another— but Vasilisa always returned home safe and sound. Her doll showed her the way and kept her well clear of Baba Yaga's hut. One evening in autumn, the stepmother gave each of the girls a task. She told the oldest to make lace, the second to knit stockings, and Vasilisa was supposed to spin. Then... She snuffed out all the candles in the house except for the one in the room where the girls were working. For a while, the girls carried out their task quietly. Then the candle began to smoke. One of the stepsisters took a pair of scissors and pretended to trim the wick, but instead, following her mother's orders, she snuffed it out, as if by accident. "'What on earth should we do now?' said the stepsisters. There's no light in the house, and we haven't even come close to finishing our task. Someone must run to Baba Yaga and get some fire. I'm not going, said the girl who was making lace. I can see by the light of my pins. I'm not going, said the girl who was knitting stockings. I can see by the light of my knitting needles. That means you have to go, they both shouted. "'to their stepsister, "'Get going, go, and see your friend Baba Yaga!' "'And they pushed Vasilisa out of the room. "'Vasilisa went into her own little room, "'laid out the supper she had prepared for her doll, "'and said, "'There, dolly, eat and help me in my need. "'They want me to go to Baba Yaga for fire, "'but she will eat me up!' "'The doll ate her supper.' Her eyes glowed like two candles. Don't be afraid, Vasilisa Shushka, she said. Go where they send you. Only be sure to take me with you. If I am in your pocket, Baba Yaga can't hurt you. Vasilisa got ready to go, put the doll in her pocket, crossed herself before setting out for the deep forest. She trembled with fear as she walked through the woods. Suddenly, a horseman galloped past her. His face was white. He was dressed in white, and he was riding a white horse with white reins and stirrups. After that, it began to grow light. Vasilisa walked deeper into the forest, and a second horseman galloped past her. His face was red. He was dressed in red, and he was riding a red horse. Then the sun began to rise. Vasilisa walked all night and all day long. Late on the second evening, she arrived in the clearing where Baba Yaga's hut was standing. The fence around it was made of human bones. Skulls with empty eye sockets stared down from the post. The gate was made from the bones of human legs. The bolts were made from human hands, and the lock was a jaw with sharp teeth. Vasilisa was terrified and stood rooted to the spot. Suddenly, another horseman galloped past her. His face was black. He was dressed in black. He was riding a black horse. He galloped up to Baba Yaga's door and vanished, as though the earth had swallowed him up. Then it was night. But it wasn't dark for long. The eyes on all the skulls on the fence began to gleam, and the clearing grew bright as day. Vasilisa shuddered with fright. She wanted to run away but didn't know which way to turn. A dreadful noise sounded in the woods. The trees creaked and groaned. The dead leaves rustled and crunched. Baba Yaga appeared, flying in a mortar, pounding it with her pestle and sweeping her traces with a broom. She stood up to the gate, stopped, and sniffed the air around her. Fo foo, this place smells of a Russian girl. Who's here? Vasilisa went up to the old witch and, trembling with fear, bowed down low and said, it, 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 it is I, Granny. My stepsister sent me to get some light. Very well, said Baba Yaga. I know your sister's all right. But before I give you fire, you must stay and work for me. If you don't. I'll have you for dinner. Then she turned to the gate and shouted, slide back my strong bolts, open up my wide gates. The gates opened and Baba Yaga rode in with a shrill whistle. Vasilisa followed her and then everything closed up again. Baba Yaga went into the hut, stretched herself out on a bench and said to Vasilisa, I'm hungry, bring me whatever's in the oven. Vasilisa lit a taper from the skulls on the fence and began serving Baba Yaga the food from the oven. There was enough to feed ten people. She brought kavas, mead, beer, and wine from the cellar. The old woman ate and drank everything put before her, leaving for Vasilisa only a little bowl of cabbage soup, a crust of bread, and a scrap of port. Baba Yaga got ready for bed and said, Tomorrow, after I leave, see to it that you sweep the yard, clean the hut, cook supper, wash the linen, and go to the corn bin and sort out a bushel of wheat. And if you haven't finished by the time I get back, I'll eat you up. After giving the orders, Baba Yaga began snoring. Vasilisa took her doll out of her pocket and placed Baba Yaga's leftovers before it. Then she burst out crying and said, There, doll, have some food and help me out. Baba Yaga has given me impossible tasks and has threatened to eat me up. If I don't take care of everything, help me, please. The doll replied, Don't be afraid, Vasilisa the fair. Eat your supper, say your prayers, and go to sleep. Mornings are wiser than evenings. Vasilisa got up early. Baba Yaga was already up and about. When Vasilisa looked out the window, she saw that the lights in the skull's eyes were fading. Then the white horseman galloped by, and it was daybreak. Baba Yaga went into the yard and gave a whistle. Her mortar, pestle, and broom appeared. The red horseman flashed by, and the sun rose. Baba Yaga sat down in her mortar, prodded it on with her pestle, and swept over her traces with the broom. Vasilisa was alone, and she looked around Baba Yaga's hut. She had never seen so many things to do in her life and couldn't figure out where to begin. But lo and behold, all the work was done. The doll was picking out the last bits of chaff from the wheat. "'You saved me!' Vasilisa said to her doll. "'If it weren't for you, I would have been gobbled up tonight!' All you have to do is prepare supper, said the doll as it climbed back into her pocket. Cook it with God's blessing and then get some rest so you'll stay strong. Toward evening, Vasilisa set the table and waited for Baba Yaga. It grew dark, and when the black horseman galloped by, it was night. The only light came from the skulls on the fence. The trees creaked and groaned, the dry leaves crackled and crunched. Baba Yaga was on her way. Vasilisa went out to meet her. "'Is everything done?' asked Baba Yaga. "'See for yourself, Granny,' Vasilisa replied. Baba Yaga went all around the hut. She was annoyed that there was nothing to complain about and said, "'Well done.' Then she shouted, my faithful servants, my dear friends, grind the wheat. Three pairs of hands appeared. They took the wheat and whisked it away. Baba Yaga ate her fill, made ready to sleep, and again gave Vasilisa her task. Tomorrow, she ordered, do just what you did today. Then take the poppy seeds out of the bin and get rid of the dust, speck by speck. Someone threw dust into the bins just to annoy me. Babyaga turned over and began to snore. Vasilisa began to feed her doll. The doll ate everything in front of her and repeated just what she had said the day before. Pray to God and go to sleep. Mornings are wiser than evenings. Everything will get done, Vasilisushka. The next morning... Baba Yaga rode off again in her mortar. With the help of her doll, Vasilisa finished the housework in no time at all. The old witch returned in the evening, looked everything over and cried out, My faithful servants, my dear friends, press the oil from these poppy seeds. Three pairs of hands appeared, took the bin of poppy seeds and whisked them away. Baba Yaga sat down to dine. Vasilisa stood silently next to her while she ate. Why don't you talk to me, Baba Yaga asked. You stand there as though you were mute. I did not dare speak, said Vasilisa. But if you'll give me permission, there is something I'd like to ask. Ask away, said Baba Yaga. But be careful. Not every question has a good answer. If you know too much... You will soon grow old. Oh, Granny, I only want to ask you about some things I saw on the way here. When I was on my way over here, a horseman with a white face, riding a white horse and dressed in white, overtook me. Who was he? That was the bright day, Baba Yaga replied. Then another horseman overtook me. He had a red face, was riding a red horse and was dressed in red. Who was he? He is my red son, Baba Yaga replied. Then who was the black horseman I met at your gate, granny? He is my dark knight. The three of them are my faithful servants. Vasilisa remembered the three pairs of hands but kept her mouth shut. Don't you want to ask about anything else? Baba Yaga said. Uh, No, Granny, that's enough. You were the one who said that the more you know, the sooner you grow old. You are wise, Baba Yaga said, to ask only about things you saw outside my house and not inside it. I don't like to have my dirty linen aired in public, and if people get too curious, I eat them up. And now I have a question for you. "'How did you get all that work done so fast?' "'I was helped by my mother's blessing,' said Vasilisa. "'Oh, that's how you did it!' Baba Yaga shrieked. "'Get out of here, blessed daughter! "'I don't want any blessed ones in my house!' "'She dragged Vasilisa out of the room "'and pushed her out through the gate. "'Then she took one of the skulls "'with blazing eyes from the fence,' "'stuck it on the end of the stick and gave it to the girl, saying, "'Here's fire for your stepsisters. Take it. "'That's what you came for, isn't it?' "'Vasilisa ran home, using the fire from the skull to light the path. "'At dawn the fire went out, and by evening she reached the house. "'As she was approaching the gate, she was about to throw the skull away, "'thinking that her stepsisters surely already had fire.' When she heard a muffled voice come from the skull, "'Don't throw me away. Take me to your stepmother.' She looked at the stepmother's house and, seeing that there was no light in the window, decided to enter with the skull. For the first time, the stepmother and stepsisters received her kindly." They told her that since she had left, they had had no fire at all in the house. They had been unable to produce a flame themselves. They had tried to bring one back from the neighbors, but it went out as soon as they crossed the threshold. "'Perhaps your fire will last,' said the stepmother. Vasilisa carried the skull in. Its eyes began to stare at the stepmother and two sisters. "'It burned them!' They tried to hide, but the ice followed them wherever they went. By evening, they had turned into three heaps of ashes on the floor. Only Vasilisa remained untouched by the fire. Vasilisa buried the skull in the garden, locked up the house, and went to the nearest town. An old woman without children gave her shelter, and there she lived, waiting for her father's return. One day, she said to the woman, I'm weary of sitting here with nothing to do, Granny. Buy me the best flax you can find, then at least I'll get some spinning done. The old woman brought some of the best flax around, and Vasilisa set to work. She spun as fast as lightning, and her threads were even and fine as hair. She spun a great deal of yarn. It was time to start weaving it, but there were no combs fine enough for Vasilisa's yarn, and no one was willing to make one. Vasilisa asked her doll for help, the doll said. Bring me an old comb, an old shuttle, and a horse's mane. I will make a loom for you. Vasilisa did as the doll said and went to sleep and found a wonderful loom waiting for her the next morning. By the end of the winter, the linen was woven. It was so fine that you could pass it through the eye of a needle. In the spring, the linen was bleached, and Vasilisa said to the old woman, Granny, sell this linen and keep the money for yourself. The old woman looked at the cloth and gasped, No, my child, no one can wear linen like this except the Tsar. I shall take it to the palace. The old woman went to the Tsar's palace and began walking back and forth beneath the windows. The Tsar saw her and asked, "'What do you want, Granny?' "'Your Majesty,' she answered. "'I have brought some rare merchandise. "'I don't want to show it to anyone but you.' "'The Tsar ordered the old lady to appear before him, "'and when he saw the linen, he gazed at it in amazement. "'What do you want for it?' he asked. "'I can't put a price on it, little Father Tsar. "'It's a gift.' "'The Tsar thanked her and loaded her down with presents.' The Tsar ordered shirts made from the linen. He had them cut, but no one could find a seamstress who was willing to sew them. Finally, he summoned the old woman and said, You were able to spin and weave this linen. You must be able to sew it into shirts for me. I was not the one who spun and wove this linen, your majesty, said the old woman. This is the work of a girl to whom I give shelter. Well then, let her sew the shirts, the Tsar ordered. The old woman returned home and told Vasilisa everything. I knew all along that I would have to do this work, Vasilisa told her. Vasilisa locked herself in her room and began sewing. She worked without stopping, and soon a dozen shirts were ready. The old woman took the shirts to the Tsar. Vasilisa washed up, combed her hair, dressed in her finest clothes, and sat down by the window to see what would happen. She saw one of the Tsar's servants enter the courtyard. The messenger came into the room and said, His Majesty wishes to meet the seamstress who made his shirts and wants to reward her with his own hands. Vasilisa appeared before the Tsar. When the Tsar saw Vasilisa the Fair, he fell head over heels in love with her. No, my beauty, he said. I shall never part from you. You will be my wife. The Tsar took Vasilisa by her hands and set her down next to him. The wedding was celebrated at once. Soon afterward, Vasilisa's father returned. He was overjoyed with her good fortune and went to live in his daughter's house. Vasilisa took the old woman into her house as well and carried the doll in her pocket until the day. She died.
0: You may be wondering how I know these old stories, but that is a story for another day. The moral of the story is
1: This Slavic folk tale begins with Vasilisa the Beautiful. Vasilisa is a Cinderella type character, and the first part of the story mirrors the ancient tale perfectly. Vasilisa's mother becomes ill, but before dying, leaves her with a wooden doll that has magical properties. Vasilisa was told that whenever she was in need, she was to take the doll from her pocket, feed it, and then tell the doll her plight. She was then to follow the doll's guidance. Soon afterwards, her father marries a cold, heartless woman with two daughters. He leaves home on a journey, and the trouble begins in earnest. Vasilisa's stepmother begins to send her into the forest on dangerous errands. In truth, she hopes she will meet Baba Yaga, who lives there. But the magical doll protects Vasilisa. Finally, the stepmother and stepsisters concoct a plan in which Vasilisa is sent to the home of the witch, Baba Yaga, to borrow some fire. The story now becomes a bit more like Hansel and Gretel. Baba Yaga was a frightening figure to look at, and her actions were no better. She rode around in a mortar which she guided with her broom. She lived in a house that walked around on chicken legs and was surrounded by the fiery skulls of humans she had most likely eaten. Vasilisa walks bravely to the house and tells Baba Yaga that she seeks fire for her stepmother and stepsisters. Like Frau Hola of the German folktale, Baba Yaga agrees, but only if the girl will work for her. She must successfully complete several impossible tasks or become Baba Yaga's dinner. We have seen this motif in many other folktales, where the innocent girl is given tasks beyond her skill level and is only saved through magical means. In this story, there are two tasks. The first was to pick all the black grains and wild peas from a measure of wheat. The second was to clean the dirt from a half measure of poppy seeds. Bobby Ga knew these tasks were impossible to ordinary humans, and after giving her instructions, she flies away. It is only then when Vasilisa pulls out her doll, feeds it, and tells her the story. The doll's eyes glow. She tells her to say her prayers and go to sleep. When Vasilisa awakes, the difficult tasks are completed. The doll gives her the final instruction and then reverts to its wooden state. Each time, Baba Yaga returns, hoping to find that the girl has failed. But when she discovers she has performed the task perfectly, the witch pretends to be happy. She engages in conversation with the girl and allows her to ask some questions to trick her further. But this time, the girl, even without the help of the doll, is clever and thwarts the test. While it is impossible for Vasilisa to complete the task alone, she has proven pure-hearted and worthy. Finally, Baba Yaga asks how she completed these tasks. Vasilisa simply says she was blessed by her mother. Outraged and perhaps even a bit fearful of being in the presence of someone blessed, Baba Yaga throws her out. But before she leaves, Baba Yaga is true to her word. She gives her one of the human skulls with fire burning from its eyes. Vasilisa places it on a stick and makes her way home. She soon discovers that the house is cold and dark. For as soon as Vasilisa left, there was no way to make fire there she took the spark of life with it. The skull advises Vasilisa to bring it inside, and so she set it on the table. When it saw the stepmother and stepsisters, the skull engulfed them in fire and they burned before Vasilisa's eyes. Now we return to the Cinderella tale, for the next day Vasilisa goes to live with a kind old woman to await her father's return. She becomes bored and asks if she can spin, so the old woman brings her what she needs. Vasilisa spins the most beautiful fabric that she gives to the old woman for her kindness. The old woman brought it to the Tsar, and through a series of traditional folktale events, the Tsar ultimately falls in love with Vasilisa. They all, including her father and the old woman, live happily ever after. These old stories can get under your skin. The symbols, motifs, and metaphors speak to you on a subconscious level, just as our dreams do. As I continued to work on transforming my kitchen witch doll into Baba Yaga, I learned more and more about the archetype of the wise crone. I share my experience with you now so you can discover how to embody these stories and make them a part of your life. I invite you to do the same in your own way. These stories were told to share the morals and ethics of the time. They were told to share secret messages that were unsafe to be spoken. They were told to give us examples of how to be and how to live. They were meant to be our North Star. I believe they should not be forgotten. As a doll maker, I was used to my dolls speaking to me, but it soon became clear that I was not making one doll, I was actually making two. In the story of Baba Yaga, the heroine Vasilisa was guided by two crowned figures. The first was Baba Yaga, who lives in the forest. Helen Pilanovsky describes as a traditional symbol of change and a place of peril, where she acts as either a challenger or a helper to those innocents who venture into her realm. In this way, Baba Yaga corresponds to many of the other crone archetypes seen in fairy tales. Although dark, ferocious, and dangerous, she lives by her own code of ethics. It seemed that in her world, keeping your word was more important than taking a life, of which there was plenty of proof. The second character is a grandmotherly figure who facilitates Vasilisa's ultimate meeting of the Tsar. In Western tales, these two roles are typically polarized, split from different characters stereotyped as either witch or fairy godmother. Polonofsky writes, Baba Yaga, however, is a complex individual. Depending on the circumstances of the specific story, she may choose to use her powers for good, Or ill. To me, there was something unsettling about that part of the story. Baba Yaga simply allows Vasilisa to leave after meeting her part of the bargain. It all seems too easy, and the reader wonders whether it's a trick. Is the grandmother figure who appears later in the story kind, or is she really Baba Yaga in disguise? There's an uneasy tension here, for many folktale motifs concern transformation of the seemingly good into the frightful or the evil. Snow White's stepmother, for example, or the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood. Holding on to the edge of the seat, the reader is waiting for Vasilisa to slip up until the story ends. That tension is what unfolded for me as I transform my kitchen witch into Baba Yaga. I tried to make her face into something more fearsome, but the more I tried, the more I saw the blurring of the witch with the crown. To me, she looks as if she had tried to pretty herself, but underneath the shadow appears. In Yumian psychology, the shadow is the part of us that remains unknown. It might be our darkness, and it might be our greatest potential. There is much power in Baba Yaga, so I think that rings true. Around her neck, I placed a necklace of colored beads and human skulls. Without being aware, I created the necklace with the same dichotomy that I did her face. On her apron, I sewed a new pocket. Into it, I placed a wild-looking wooden doll. Although this was not true to the story, it seemed needed. In the story, Vasilisa is given a doll by her dying mother. It was a doll that had magical powers and allowed her to complete all the tasks given to her by Baba Yaga. Without the tiny doll, Vasilisa would never have completed the tasks given to her to prove her worth. Maria Tatar writes in Explanation, Whereas Cinderella and her folkloric cousins usually receive assistance from nature or from a fairy godmother, Vasilisa is given a cultural artifact, a figure that can be seen as a miniaturized version of herself or as a symbolic form of her mother. While the doll protects and helps Vasilisa, it is also something to be nurtured and cared for, thus strengthening the fact of her own agency in escaping from villainy at home. Accordingly, this wooden doll also became Baba Yaga's source of power, at least in the doll I created. Perhaps I thought she took it from another girl, or perhaps it was her own doll, a blessing and reminder of love Baba Yaga no longer wanted to remember. See what happens when these tales get into your head? Most witches in Western folklore ride on brooms, Instead, Baba Yaga rides in a mortar, rowing with a pestle and using the broom to erase her tracks. I place my doll in a mortar I fashioned, complete with skulls hanging around the handle. She holds a twisted branch that both serves as broom and pestle. Duality seemed the key to her recreation on an intuitive level. Baba Yaga's house stands on chicken legs. Around it is a wall made with human bones, and on top is a human skull. I crafted a smaller version of this house, which I swung from her arm. The skulls on the fence were fiery to represent the light she gave to Vasilisa to take home. It is uncertain how many tasks Vasilisa would have been given if she did not disclose that the blessing of my dead mother helps me. Baba Yaga replies, I want no one who bears a blessing to cross my threshold. Marie-Louise von Franz writes, Baba Yaga, who here is almost completely evil, though when she hears that a girl is a blessed daughter, she tells her she does not want her in her house. So in a hidden way, she is not thoroughly evil, and sometimes even helpful. Remember at the end of the story, Vasilisa meets one more crone? This one serves as her surrogate mother. Marie-Louise Van France describes her as portraying the great mother in her double aspect. Here, she facilitates her meeting and ultimate marriage with the Tsar. While transforming the doll, I did not consciously seek to have her embody both aspects. It was the tension I found in reading the story that led me to this discovery. Not the tension in the fearsomeness of the Baba Yaga witch, but in the quiet helpfulness of the grandmother figure. It's not just the shadow and the light of these two opposites that makes one uneasy. That is the norm for the archetypal. It is instead the living potential for an unexpected appearance of the other that seems so unsettling. When it was all said and done, it was this unpredictability that made Baba Yaga attractive to me. In a world filled with climate change, raging wannabe despots, injustice and cruelty, illness and death, she is sorely needed, both in her mortar-flying self with unlimited power and rage and in her kindly and compassionate alter ego. Each of us as women today may need to connect to these two archetypal forces, The crone's ferocious strength and her compassion to serve those needing help are required in a world in crisis. And so, whenever someone makes their way to your cottage in the woods, remember Baba Yaga's question. Why are you here? Did you come of your own accord or were you forced here? It's an important question to consider. The wise crone continually asked, Who is worthy? Who is worthy? The answer always rings true to the crone. For the rest of us, the Baba Yaga tale answers this question thus, Well, said the old witch, only remember that every question does not lead to good. If thou knowest overmuch, thou wilt grow old too soon what wilt thou ask? Marie-Louise von Franz explains, how much evil can one afford to see without losing one's appetite for life? If one has to, if one's destiny forces one into it, one has to take it. But to load the boat with evil, which is not in one's own fate, and has been picked up out of sheer curiosity, is not recommended. Such is the challenge for all of us living today. This story contains two crones, one perhaps seen in the shadow, and the other in the light. Both were honorable in their own way, and ultimately helpful to Vasilisa. Both found her clever, pure of heart, and worthy. Each taught her the value of honesty and hard work. One was evil and frightening. The other served as her fairy godmother. While the moral of the story is the same, in this folktale we see two sides of the crone. Perhaps the kindly crone was actually Baba Yaga in disguise. As older women living today, both sides of the crone are needed. We are only invisible if we believe we are. For in a world that has lost its moral core, a bit of Baba Yaga might come in handy to scare folks right back into the light. Use this gift wisely.
0: The wise crone knows it's time for you to leave. Your journey home takes you back through the forest. It may at times be difficult, but no fear. Her final words to you are, remember to stay on the path. Do not leave the path no matter what you see or experience. And so it was, and so it is. Thank you for listening. We'll meet again the fourth Sunday of each month. This podcast has been sponsored by Heart Symbol Publishing, where you'll find a wide variety of guided imagery downloads to achieve your goals and enhance your life. This is a storyteller,
1: Kathy Schimpak. This podcast is narrated by Linda Bennett. Music is The Snow Queen by Kevin McLeod at Incompetent.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. Stories by the Brother Grimm are in the public domain.